0: The first week, Greg talked through these first verses here, and it's good to review in my mind just what God's intention was to give us the book of Proverbs. So right at the start here, it says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. The purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. So why did God bother to write these things down? Why do we have them in the scripture? To teach us wisdom and to teach us discipline that we can apply to our lives. And it goes on. The purpose is to teach to people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Another translation says that they will make the simple-minded clever. I translate it that even the dimmest light bulb in the house can light up, or the dullest tool in the shed can cut through it with the Proverbs. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the role of getting counsel. The Proverbs have a lot on that topic I was thinking about it. I don't know if you've ever gone to a professional conference or just watched something on TV with a specialist in a field and thought, I have no living idea what this person is talking about and I don't feel smart enough that I'm going to get it at the end of the hour here. And so you click to another channel and get back to sports. I've done that. (laughs) I feel like there's things I can just watch and I just don't get it. I'm not quite smart enough. But what's encouraging is it says for all of us, the Proverbs... Taking God's wisdom and applying it to our life can make any, even the simple-minded, wise. And even the dullest tool can speak with understanding and wisdom into our lives. And this section here finishes out. It says, Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise, and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so God brings wisdom, God brings understanding, and God brings knowledge into the one that understands. But as we talk about applying this to asking for help and getting counsel, some words in this stick off the page to me a little bit when I read through what God gives us in becoming wise people. It says, let the wise listen. It says, let those with understanding receive guidance. And then it says, fearing the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. The very beginning of it is having a fear of God to even have wisdom. And why do I highlight those today? Because all of those indicate that a wise person is one that receives outside input into their life somehow. God could have said the wise is the most learned, the most articulate. But what he's driving at here, it appears to be, is that the wise is one who takes... Input, who reads the scriptures and tries to apply it to their life, who gets input from other people to try to understand it. We cannot solely just study and become truly wise. There's a role to get input into our life. And as we talk about this idea of getting counsel, why is it important? Why, why does the scripture talk about this so much? And I think one of the reasons... Why it's important to get counsel and why it's really talked about here is that we tend to veer off track on our own a little bit. I grew up on swim teams and doing swimming my whole childhood and all the way through high school. My kids are taking swim lessons this summer so it's fresh in our mind. Well, when I was growing up doing swim team, I never understood how critical it was to have black lines at the bottom of the pool that you could look down and kind of know where you're going. And what they do is even if you're taking breath and you're swimming along, they keep you just guided into the wall and going in one direction under the pool. I don't know if you've ever tried to swim in the open water or compete in a race that's not in a pool. I did triathlons for about five or six years. And the first time... I I was very confident in my ability to go swim because I grew up swimming and, and was fairly good at it. I was a little more worried about other areas of a triathlon. But the first time I got in and jumped in the water, it became very apparent you can't see anything. So I jumped in and it's all murky and you can only see a foot in front of you. And I realized that's why they put lane lines in the pool. <laughs> it's to make you go straight. And so very quickly I had to develop a strategy of you would take a few strokes and take some breaths and then you'd look up and see where the buoy was and reorient yourself because you'd get off track about every 30 seconds and be headed the wrong direction. And the scriptures indicate that we're a little like that. Without orienting ourselves back to truth, we tend to veer off track of what's right. Left to our own wisdom and our own flesh, we ultimately head towards destruction. And so this verse up here, Joshua 1.7, what did the Lord tell Joshua after the death of Moses? He said, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in all that you do. So what happens when he listens to instructions or we listen to instructions? What was God telling Joshua? If you stop listening to instructions, if you turn away from the wisdom that was given to you by Moses, you will be destroyed. And if you stay on that path of what you've been instructed with, you will have success. You'll be successful in everything you do. Proverbs 3, verse 7, My child, do not lose sight of common sense, and discernment. Hang on to them. It's possible to lose sight of wisdom, we see from that. How do we do that? There's a number of ways an influx of other voices, an influx of our own flesh going after other things. This verse in Proverbs here this is spoken as a father to his son, the wise Solomon to his pupil. One listening to him was presumably growing in wisdom and learning and understanding. But what did he bother to go tell his son? Don't lose sight of this teaching. Don't lose sight of the instructions or you'll veer off track. And there's a time for guidance in our life so that we don't veer. My four-year-old, we got a new bike this summer. She's getting bigger. and She had one with training wheels she could keep straight. But we got her a new Spider-Man bike, which is very exciting, It's rockin' awesome but it doesn't have training wheels on it. And so that's a whole new adventure. She was very confident in her abilities without training wheels, but we put her on this bike. She'll go a few feet and then just kind of slide off into the bushes or fall into the rocks. And we learned very quick, dad has to kind of stay behind and at least bounce it back and forth into something towards straight, or we're going to run into bushes. I'm hoping by the end of the summer, we can get this thing down and she can bike. Somehow her older sister figured it out. I don't remember how. We made her figure it out, but we're trying this again. But we're like that four-year-old. If we don't have instructions and counsel in our life, we veer. But the scriptures go even a step further than saying just we veer. It indicates that we become fools when we go our own way and when we veer off track. When we veer from wisdom, if we veer far enough, God would call us a fool. I don't know what comes to mind when you think of a fool. I kind of think of those old-timey court gestures, which would be kind of dressed, I guess they were sort of like a clown, and they had bells on them, and they would entertain people. That's what I think of when I think of a fool. God says we'll be like that. They were quickly discernible as a fool, too. I, I don't know if they needed the bells on them that you would know that they were a fool, but they had them anyway. You would know they were walking up. And I think similarly, we can see someone maybe walking into a payday loan building or walking into a bar at 2 a.m. on a weekday or walking into a house of the night, so to speak, and we could quickly discern and know that they're a fool and the Lord could. God seems to say that about us. They lack sense. And when we go so far off our own way that God easily identifies us as a fool... (laughs) We quickly become fools, don't we? Oops, Proverbs 18 2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. It's another facet of being foolish. So, how do we become foolish? When our ears are closed and our gums keep flapping. That's what the Proverbs say. The fool is quick to air their opinions, the fool is always talking. The fool has an answer for everything. The fool can talk their way out of anything. They have no interest in gaining insight and understanding from those that are learned. What are they interested in? Being heard and continuing to air their opinion. Having the last word or being the smartest person in the room. Similarly, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Proverbs twelve fifteen. I don't know if you've ever known someone, maybe you've been someone, that thinks they're always right and wants to argue till the death about it. It could be a decision at work, it could be the best way to fix a car, it could be a memory of a small fact that happened years ago, but you just know, once Brad thinks he knows the answer, he's going to argue an hour to make sure you know he's right. I was reminded of a Monty Python skit from the 70s. I'm dating myself a little bit, but a man goes in to buy a parrot and leaves and comes back to the pet shop and he's holding the cage of the bird and the bird has fallen over dead on the side. They've put like a stuffed parrot from the taxidermist in here for the skit. And he's arguing with the shopkeep that the parrot is dead and the shopkeep just won't come to reason. He says, well, it's it's beautiful. He has beautiful feathers, beautiful plumage. He sings beautifully. He's, he's alive. He's just resting. And they argue like this for six, seven minutes. It's kind of like any of your newer sketch comedy shows. They beat the joke so far. You wish it was over two minutes earlier. But you get the point. This guy's not going to turn his opinion that this bird is dead no matter how obvious it is. He will keep arguing. We can be like that, can't we? That's what a fool does. They think their own way is right and won't listen to reason. They've set their mind on the outcome before the discussion happens. But beyond just being argumentative, there's more things that can go wrong. We can be deceived as well. Jeremiah seventeen nine, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Each of our hearts contains a sinful nature, doesn't it? It did from our birth. We started wicked. Even if we're saved, baptized, and have the Holy Spirit living in us, Paul talked about having two identities waging war within our souls of having our old fleshly man and the Spirit of God working. And understanding that each of us have every evil thought come into us, into our heart. They can be kind of innocuous, it just be things like, you can skip tithing just this once, it's tight. Nobody see when you're looking out at the internet, you're all alone. Nobody will notice you skipping church to go hiking, it's sunny out today. Just take a box of pens from work, they won't notice three dollars of pens, they make millions. The Bible is old fashioned and doesn't translate to our day. I believe it's a safe bet. Each one of you has had about every one of those thoughts go through your head at some point because we have Satan, we have an enemy, and we have a sinful nature and a heart that's deceitful above all things. He's probably put much worse thoughts on your heart throughout your life, if we're honest. I know he's put them on mine. The reality is the depth of depravity within us has no bounds because our enemy doesn't. He's desperately wicked and puts every evil thought within our heart. And the difference between the wise and the foolish isn't they're tempted with silly thoughts like that or wicked thoughts. The difference is what do they do with those thoughts? Do they pray about them? Do they compare them to the scriptures? Do they get guidance to understand? Or do they just act on them? Proverbs fourteen six: The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. I'm really guilty of this sometimes. I can be confident about anything if I want to be. And some of it's built into us. We get ahead in the business world by being confident, by being sure of ourselves, by being able to set on a plan, being able to deliver things at work. So we set ourselves up a little bit to do that, to be successful. We set ourselves to always be ready to jump out the airplane and make sure the parachute's ready, always be ready to go. But what do we take from this proverb? It's that the fool is confident and fast. He plunges in, he never tips his toe in the water to understand the temperature before he does the cannonball. It's not bad to be confident. The scriptures tell us there's a time to be confident. We'll talk later of some about where good confidence comes from, but we're told that the fool has a reckless confidence. It's based on their own strength, their own understanding, and being able to deliver all on their own. Proverbs twenty-eight sixteen: Those who trust in their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Other translations render this trust in his own heart, trust in his own mind, or trust in himself. When we trust in ourselves and our own ability, we are foolish. A fool is confident in his own wisdom. A fool is confident in his own understanding. A fool doesn't need to refine the plan and work it over a few times. A fool will see his plan through no matter the results or the impact it has on others. A fool looks at needing input as weak. They see that they should already know it all. Why ask their boss? They should have their boss's job. They're much better than their boss is. Why go to school and learn about it? They already know it much better, don't they? Why consult a professional in the field? They already have street smarts. They don't need to. And as a culture, we celebrate people who act like this and think like this. What story gets on the news? It's the sports player that says, everybody told me to give up at basketball because I'm a pasty white guy like I am, but I stuck with it, and I didn't finish college, and I never got a job, and I made it to the NBA. And they'll celebrate him, but they won't talk about the other million people that tried to do that and never made it, will they? They celebrate the ones that just go ahead with reckless abandon and make it. We celebrate the John Waynes and the Rambos that walk into a town and single-handedly dispense justice or the rogue conflicted superhero who's just trying to understand what good and bad is but pulls it together at the end. But the scripture is clear when we go our own way, when we have our own plan, and when we're determined with it, we're foolish. And it doesn't stop there, the scripture talks about the outcome of doing that. Fools will reap shame and destruction. A fool will eventually have their life destroyed. We're going to go through a few more Proverbs here, just how I came to that sentence and that outcome. Proverbs 10.1, A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. A fool brings grief. Those who have invested in and love a fool will grieve and mourn as they walk out life as a fool and they have destruction. Proverbs 10.8, The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools will fall flat on their face. Fools fall flat on their face. We read a proverb earlier that says the fool goes ahead with reckless abandon. My one year old son has split his lip not once but twice this week and had it open and bleeding. Why is that? Because he has flip-flops on and he's running around with reckless abandon. Whether it's on rocks or it's trying to go up steps or stairs or grass, he will run and he'll have his flip-flops on, but he keeps falling over and getting hurt. And we'll console him and it's very sad when he's one year old and we're trying to teach him how to do that. But it's not just a little sad and funny when it's a 30-year-old and it's not tripping on the rocks, but it's destroying their life as an alcoholic or being bankrupt after um, striking out of work over and over another failed business opportunity without getting counsel. If we're fools, we'll fall flat on our face eventually. And it's not cute like the one-year-old. It's destructive and brings grief. Proverbs 10:14: Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. A babbling fool invites disaster. His mouth keeps on babbling. He keeps trusting in his own way, and he invites disaster upon his life and those around him. I don't know if you enjoy that show, America's Funniest Home Videos. I don't think it's actually on TV anymore, but it's one of the best shows ever. Maybe it's because we just like to look at things. I don't know. I didn't enjoy the cat videos, I enjoyed the kind of morbid videos. <laughs> And what I enjoyed is you'd start watching it and you'd see some guy like strapping fireworks to his cat and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I know where that's going to end. Or you see a guy holding two beers on a riding lawnmower and you just kind of know it's going to crash into something. Or someone putting a skateboard jump on their roof. You get about four seconds into the cliff, or into the clip there, and you just know where that's going, watching that fool when we're foolish we're like that there's somebody that could be watching the clip of our life and in four seconds they could kind of see where we're headed and where this clip is ending Proverbs ten twenty one: the words of the godly encourage many but fools are destroyed for their lack of common sense and this is pretty similar to the last proverb but a fool lacks in common sense eventually they will bring destruction into their life by walking off the edge by not knowing any better And finally, a fool's proud talk becomes a rod that beats him, but the words of the wise keep them safe. Eventually, if we keep talking and talking and babbling, we're ensnared by it. We can't turn back from it, and it'll bring discipline into our life from the Lord or from local authorities, ultimately from the Lord. So to sum up this line of thinking, when we're by ourselves doing our own thing, we veer off When we veer off, we become fools. And when we become fools, we bring destruction and shame into our lives. And I know I'm harping down that line of thinking that leads to destruction. But in an extreme sense, if we're not going to be people that are going to turn towards the Lord and turn towards those He's put in our life, and we go our own way, we are inviting destruction into our life and turning into fools. Now we will talk a little more encouraging, but there's a lot of Proverbs around this with warnings about what happens when we go our own way. Back to the first thing we read at the start here, Proverbs 1:2. 1, one of the things that talked about the purpose of the Proverbs. It says, the purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand wise sayings. And that's encouraging to me because there is instruction to help us teach us how to be wise and disciplined. It's not just a bunch of no's and you're probably going to crash and burn going too fast around the track. But God says if we follow the scriptures and get counsel, we can live wise and disciplined lives and have success. Which is encouraging to me. And so we're going to look at a few ways on how can we more proactively get counsel and bring success into our lives. And the first may be obvious to you as we've gone along here, but we have success and blessing when we listen to wise counsel. And we've actually seen this in verse after verse we've gone through so far that was in contrast to the fool and how he acts. I just neglected to highlight it as much. Proverbs 8.33, listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. When we listen to instruction given to us, we become wise. Look, I try to ignore reading instructions as much as anyone. I kind of drive my father-in-law nuts. We go, we go at it on this. He's professionally a technical writer, and so his whole job is taking computer systems and writing instructions so that people can sit down and understand it and use it, and it's a very enjoyable experience. And what I tend to do is open up a box to make something, throw out the instructions, and then try to make it on my own. And so whenever he watches me do something, just a part of him dies inside, as those instruction manuals that some writer took all this time writing, I have thrown aside, he will very meticulously read a whole instruction manual before one screw goes in. He's wiser than me, but I'm fast. (laughs) His end up better, though. The scriptures are clear, we grow in wisdom when we listen to understanding. Proverbs 1.5, let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. what those with understanding receive guidance. Even those that already have wisdom and understanding grow even wiser by receiving wise counsel. I can't help but throw in one or two sports references in every teaching, it's what I do. But if you're following the local sports teams, the Broncos have brought in a new coach this off season. Usually that happens, why? Like the local sports team, they had a few subpar seasons and things weren't going very well. And so if you watch coaches that come into a town, every one of them says, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna turn it around and I'm gonna make it better and everything's gonna be great. And you kinda have to wait till a game happens to see if that happens or not. So normally I don't pay much attention to it because most of them when they come in, they say, that last coach didn't know what he was doing and the weak spot on the team was this group, maybe it's the offensive line, and so I got rid of the players that weren't very good and I brought in my own players and it's gonna be a new scheme and we're gonna turn it all around. Well, one thing caught my ear when he was talking through it all. One of the first things he said was to comment on the best player on the team and what he, which is Miller, their star player, and he said, I do really believe, as good as Vaughn has played in his career, and he's done some really, really good things, he can play even better. And to me, that was really bold to say, I can take the best player on the team, and coach him, and take him somewhere, and make him better, and you can laugh at that. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. But it caught me that he wanted to coach them to go somewhere. And then later in the article, it said, um, it quoted, you can understand how Vaughn feels that after watching some of the coach's new schemes, the first words to the coach were, coach me, coach me. Because Miller loves what he's seeing. And so it stood out to me that the best player on the team is saying, coach me and help me be better. And the coach is saying that he can make him better. And to me, that's an example of this proverb that the wise can listen and become even wiser, I'm not sure if they can accomplish more than he did in the past or not. But I do know that that's an attitude that is wise to keep seeking input and keep trying to get better. Proverbs 13:44. The instructions of the wise is the life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. When we seek instruction of the wise... It gives life to us like a life giving fountain, and we avoid the destruction we talked about. We avoid the snares of death. We are alive and vibrant. Proverbs 73 24, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. It's encouraging. God guides us with counsel, He's taking us somewhere. And he gives us that counsel a number of ways. We're really focusing on one of getting it from wise people in our lives, but he gives it through his spirit and his word and getting counsel. And he takes us somewhere. And where does it say God leads us with that counsel? To a glorious destiny. Into his blessing. So if we follow the scriptures, do you want to see God's blessing poured out in your life? Seek wise counsel and listen to it. And God will give us counsel into a glorious plan he has for our lives. And so we're to get counsel. And I want to hit on a little bit from whom. We need to get counsel from wise, godly people. One of the things the scriptures drive towards. Proverbs, not that verse. I didn't put the right one on. But Proverbs 14.33 says, Wisdom is enshrined in an understanding heart. Wisdom is not found among fools. Wisdom is not found among fools. So when we go to get counsel, consider if the person we're getting counsel from is wise, is what the scripture's saying. Consider if that person has good fruit in their life. I believe Greg mentioned last week that you don't want to go up to somebody that's broke and in $10,000 of credit card debt and ask them for financial tips. That's good money advice, but that's more universal, as the scriptures talks about here. Don't go talk to someone that's hitting the bars every Friday night and ask them how to get sober. It's probably not the right person. Don't go talk to someone that's living a foolish life or the outpouring is foolish and expect to get wisdom. The scripture says we won't find it. Consider somebody that's wise. And another part of this is to get get counsel from godly, wise people that are authorities in your life and know you. I think of whenever we have a big conference, like we've had some of our Faith Walkers conferences in the past, and we get our churches together and have pastors go up. They're a good time. We put great pastors on stage and they give great teachings and they'll talk about things that could apply to everyone how to make decisions how to have faith how to preach the gospel and we'll talk about those things together After every one of those speakers gets off a stage, inevitably someone runs up to them that they've never met before and says, thank you so much for the teaching. It's changed my life. Hey, I have this decision in my life. Can you tell me if I should go back to college in the fall or I should get married or I should uh, quit my job? And inevitably, what do they say? Well, hi, I'm Brad. I've never met you, first of all. But maybe talk to somebody in your life that could give wisdom to you because I don't know you. And that's wise of them. They're wise people. They probably wouldn't be pastors and up on stage speaking there if they weren't wise. But they get put in a hard place when someone asks them for input like that. And so God has us have authorities in our life and people in our life that can help speak wisdom to it, to us. And one of them is parents. Put up there, Proverbs 5, 7. says, Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Again, we talked about much of this book is written as Solomon writing to his sons. And this is what he says. You should accept wisdom from your parents. And the scriptures indicate we have blessing coming from that counsel in our lives. Even after we come, become adults and leave home, there's blessing that comes into our life. So a wise son accepts discipline and instruction from his parents. Another area of spiritual leaders in our life, Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith. Again, look at the fruit of the spiritual leaders in your life and consider what God has given them and has given us in the faith we can get input from anywhere, but do I want to grow and do I want to become like my spiritual leaders or those that are really following God? Or do I want to get counsel and become like my co-workers? Maybe some of them are good, maybe there's some of them are not, but consider who we're asking counsel from. And I'll admit on those two, God hasn't given any of us perfect parents or perfect spiritual leaders. God gave you people in your life that have gifts, that have flaws, that have wisdom, and have perspective. But God promises blessing when we seek them for input in our life, no matter who they are. And another place to seek wisdom from is experts in a field. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine 29 says, Do you see truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. God gives blessing to people that work hard and are competent at what they do, and there's a place to seek them. If you have a water problem and the water's backing up at your house, it's probably wise to go see a plumber, isn't it? If your circuit breaker is blowing up, I would call an electrician and not the plumber or call the pastor probably. Electrician is a good person for that. But I also think there's also specific people in fields that don't have a Christian worldview. And so some of it we might need to bring in line with things. And so I will freely admit as a pastor, I don't know the inner workings of electrical systems or everything about a car. But there's times to take input you get from people and then talk to your parents or talk to your pastors as well. If you talk to the wrong financial advisor, they might have you kind of off on a worldly track of what you're thinking if you don't filter it through those things. But with that, it's good to have those people. And if you can have experts in a field that share a Christian worldview, that's all the better. If you know a mechanic or a real estate agent or a doctor that's a believer, it's probably a good person to be in contact with because you don't have to filter everything they say. They're bringing a biblical worldview into it. So it's good to get counsel from godly people who we want to emulate. I don't know why I did this so weird. PowerPoint and me. It's also important to get counsel at the right time. And what does that mean? When do we need counsel? Well, probably all the times, but especially when there's big decisions to be made. There's things like, who should I marry? Should I buy a car? Should I buy a house? Should I move? Do I need a new job? I need a new church? Those are good life decisions to consider getting counsel from wise people in our life. Proverbs 19.2 Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good, and haste makes mistakes. When we're hasty in decisions, we make mistakes. We need to leave time to get counsel. And we're wise when we get counsel when? When I click through 50 slides. We get counsel before the decision is made. I can't tell you how many times someone has asked me to go out to coffee and I think Greg has experienced this too to talk through a decision in their life and they say well I really wanted to talk to a pastor about it because I've already talked to my co-workers and asked about if this church is a right fit and I thought about it and then I made a decision but I know I'm supposed to talk to a pastor so I want to talk to a pastor so I already decided I'm leaving and I wanted to talk to you to get your advice okay A month ago, I could have given advice. Now I'm being informed. I think that can be in a lot of things in our life. It's harder to ask for counsel before and give God opportunity to give us input and change. It's easy to go inform someone we've already made a decision. But it's kind of like running over to our mechanic and saying, mechanic, these oil changes are expensive. And so I've been thinking about how to trim my budget, and I'm going to run 20,000 miles without putting oil in this car because oil changes over the next six months would be expensive. You might have input on that, but I'm going this way. I'd be crazy. Your car is going to blow up, and your engine is going to burn out, and you're going to need a new engine. But somehow we think that's okay with bigger decisions in our lives. So my input to you is don't get so far down a road that the counsel from wise people can't shift your decision. Make sure that up front we're talking about decisions with people God has put in our life, with our parents, with our spiritual leaders, with experts that could help us make a wise decision. And God will bring blessing as we do that and we bring God into the process of our decisions. And lastly, one more thing I want to talk about is just the fruit that comes from walking in wise counsel and we walk with strength and peace in God's counsel. When we go at things alone, we second-guess ourselves, we are hasty, we're foolish, and we're destroyed. But When we walk in the wisdom and counsel that comes from God's word and God's counsel over the people he's put in our lives, we have peace and strength. We have confidence that God will provide for us down the road he's leading us on. It doesn't mean we won't face challenges. In fact, Jesus promised us in this world, you will face many challenges. He promised that to his disciples. What else did he promise? That we would overcome them. And that's when we're walking in God's counsel. Have you ever second-guessed yourself? When I make a hasty decision, or a decision alone, I'm constantly second-guessing myself, thinking, maybe I should have talked that over with someone. Now I'm down the road. But we can trust that when we do seek God's word and seek counsel, he will come through for us. Proverbs 25.3 I had up there, or Psalm 25, three. excuse me. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes from those who are trying to deceive others. God will not allow us to be disgraced when we trust in him. God doesn't allow someone that's wise and getting counsel and walking in his path to come to ruin. God says we will not be disgraced when we live like that. I take this verse as a promise all the time. God, I walked into your counsel, I walked into your will, and it's hard. You need to come through. This is your road for my life. You led me here. You gave me counsel, and I'm trusting you to come through. And we have that confidence and that peace because we know God has led us there. One thing going on in our life, many of you know or don't know, we are in the process of buying a new house. It's kind of crazy because we said we would never move from our current house. We love it, we love the neighborhood. But the truth is, we moved there before we had any kids. And then we had three kids, and it feels a little different than it once did. And so God had gently put on our hearts over time, hey, maybe it's it's time to look. Maybe it's time to look somewhere where you have room for the kids, and you don't have girls growing up all trying to fight over one bathroom, and you could actually have a guest room again and things like that. And so gently God had put it on our heart, and we've been talking about it over some time. And we'd informally toss the idea around we finally had an anniversary trip and we're off a weekend and had the ability to sit down and talk before we were like falling over asleep in bed, which is most nights, and felt like, you know what, God's kind of giving us a peace and leading us in this, and we think it's what God might have for our next step. And so we were praying about it and both kind of felt the peace, that's where God's leading. Well, before running out and going crazy and going nuts with it, we sat down and we talked with Sarah's parents and just talk through. They're good people to talk to. One, because they're parents. There's a lot of blessing in that. Another, they're godly believers, and they've done a lot of property transactions in their life of moving their family and going through different phases. And they have a number of rental properties, so they have a lot of experience and wisdom in it. But we talked through where we saw God leading and just really wanted their input on what they saw in our lives as well. And they encouraged us that so they saw that as really wise and, and maybe the next step for us. Uh, And it was very positive. And so we proceeded to set up a few showings a couple of days later and look at it. And the second house we saw, we loved. we're like, whoa, we didn't think we'd love another house, but this one looks great, and we want to move forward with it. And so, well, one, we're asking our real estate agent a million questions, because it's all very confusing, the whole process. But another is we thought, hey, before we run out on this, I want to just call Greg, too, and run it by godly counsel in my life and just talk through what we're seeing and what we're doing and and what God might have for us and said you know what even though this is our thing to go buy a house and we're going to have to walk with it I want godly input in my life and so we had that phone call and talked it through and it was very positive and so we kept moving forward and so we went under contract with our house and proceeded to put it with that house and proceeded to put ours on the market and it sold in just a few days and so God's really blessed that I won't say there's not tense moments the whole process is kind of crazy it's a 70 year old house and a 100 year old house so both inspections were a little nutso and so we're still trying to work through things like that but we can trust hey God's got us in this and he's leading us into something and through it I would lie if I wasn't saying there's some tense moments and there's some stress and things working out. But there's also peace. God somehow let us into this and to work out all the things that come along with it. I remember one day along the way, the person I was working with alone called back and said, Hey, there's a problem with the loan. I don't think it's going to move forward. You need to call me back. And I was like, oh, the whole thing's off. And so I was like praying, God, you let us into this. What's going on? work it all out and I called back and it it turned out a credit report came back crazy and it was because they just mistranscribed a social security number and it brought back someone else's credit report and it looked very bad and they were like we got it straightened out and it all kind of went forward but it's just seeing God work through it and it's fun walking into something like that. If even all the craziness we're still just trying to walk through that we have a confidence God somehow brought us into this and God will somehow work all of the nuts things out. Now, that's just one example, but in closing, just consider God's words on how to proceed with your life. Consider the Proverbs that the wise seek counsel, they seek wisdom, they seek out godly input in their life. And consider that the foolish man goes his own way and reaps destruction. Will you be the kind of man or woman that's reading the Proverbs and the scriptures like we've been talking about this series and getting input in their life? Or will you be someone that's going to go their own way and might miss the mark? We each have decisions to make on that. They're going to have a profound impact on our life and how God blesses it. But God promises if we walk through life in this manner of seeking counsel and of Seeking the scriptures, he'll bring blessing and he'll bring us into a glorious destiny. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your scripture. God, this is it's encouraging to see the blessing you bring when we seek counsel, and it's also it's scary to look at what happens when we rely on ourselves. God, we each think we got it together. We each think we could kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we have some wisdom and we have some understanding. But cut left to ourselves, each one of us will bring destruction and shame into our lives. God, we pray you'd help us each remain humble, each remain someone that can be taught, can be instructed by you, by godly people in our life, by the authorities you've placed in our life. Help us be people that seek out that wisdom and live on the path you have for our lives and the guardrails you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.